listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. And welcome back to another episode of the Astros Future Podcast presented by Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. I'm your host, Jimmy Price, also known as Astros Future. You can find my work at astrosfuture.com and find me on Twitter at Astros Future. And I'm your co-host, Brian Hamilton. You can find me on Twitter at bham1720. I'm your other co-host, Kenny Van Doren. You can find me on Twitter at The Vandalorian. All right, today on the podcast, we're going to talk about some potential free agent moves, kind of recap the, the signing of Justin Verlander, and then shift our focus to the Myers and talk about the 40-man roster. But before we go into that, guys, I want to give you a quick story. So this past weekend, I was playing in a softball tournament. I had the uh, – I don't. I, I texted Brian about it. I don't know if you remember a guy named John Kimmer. Kenny played with the Astros from 2013 to 2018 in the minor league system. Good outfielder, good left-hand hitter, just capped out at AAA, but uh, had the opportunity to play with him in this softball tournament, and he was left field, I was left center. Our outfield was, was locked down. It was really fun. But a couple of interesting things. So I, I had the opportunity to ask him about the cheating thing, and I didn't get too much into it. His thing is, yeah, everybody's doing it. Maybe Astros were a little more aggressive in, in, in terms of, you know, I guess what they did, but everyone was doing it. One other question I always like to ask guys, but I asked him, he was in the system for five years. Who was the toughest fit pitcher you faced in the Astros system from 13 to 18? And with zero hesitation, Charlie Morton. And I thought that was pretty cool. And I think when he, you know, when you hear it, you're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. You know, he's throwing like 98, 99. We see what that curveball does. And yeah, he said he's just nasty. One of the best dudes he, he's ever met. So anyways, I thought that was a little interesting, but we'll jump right into another pitcher, Justin Verlander. The Astros signed him to a deal one year, $25 million. We weren't sure if he's going to accept the uh, qualifying offer. He declined, but then they brought him back on that deal with the player option. So Brian, go ahead. What's your, what's your take on that deal? What do you, do you like it? Um, what do you think for the Astros? Oh, it was huge. It, it was almost a must-have. We needed that top-of-the-rotation pitcher. You saw what happened in the playoffs. He just pretty much ran out of gas all the way around. Pitching, defense – well, not defense, but pitching, the bats, everything did. And if we had had that one true ace at the top of the lineup uh, or top of the rotation, that just would have been, um, you know, perfect for us. But Justin just seems like he loves it here. You know, we read that one uh, quote where he said he felt like he, he has loyalty here to Houston and to Jim Crane. So I loved it. Um, I'm hopeful that – he finishes his career here. That's something you and I have been talking about for years. I think it's more like you know, some people say it's a high risk, high reward kind of signing. I think a lot of pitchers that come off Tommy John are not always the same. Some are even better. Uh, Justin Verlander, last time he pitched a full season, was the best pitcher in the American League. You know, you're not, you might be banking on that when he's coming in, but he's definitely a top two guy in the rotation. If Lance McCullers is healthy, it's him and Verlander bat battling for that number one spot going into spring training. Um, but you look at the roster, you know, he, he fills the 40-man. He's currently at 39. This signing hasn't become official. I just thought it was really cool that Ben Verlander got to report it. He was the first guy who got on that, you know. And everyone's like, oh, you know, you're going to believe him. It's his brother. So For sure. I think it's great that he's back. You know, he's a big buddy with Jim Crane. It made the most sense. You know, you look at the Yankees. They offered him the exact same contract. And they weren't going to budge over that $25 million. So it does show that, they're, you know, he is worth something. If other teams are going to, you know, offer the same 25 some. Astros fans feel like the Astros overpaid, but if other teams are doing the exact same thing, probably makes sense that, you know, he deserves that money based on the market. Yeah. And if you look at what he made over the last couple of years, and really, I don't want to say what was wasted on him, but 
you know, I think it's worth the risk, the 25 million. Like you mentioned, the last time he pitched, he was the, one of the best pitchers in the American League, won the Cy Young. And, and you look at uh, what I feel like if there's a guy who's going to work hard to come back from, from Tommy John surgery, you know, Justin Verlander is that guy. He's got his reputation kind of on the line here. You know, if he's coming back, he's going to make sure he's right. We heard about what he did, throw him, was it 95 to 97 in his little outing for scouts there. So the player option is interesting. Obviously, if there's issues with the, the, uh, the rehab and he's not, you know, he doesn't have a good season. He's probably going to pick up that option, but if he has a great season and decides to come back for that that you know second year at twenty five million, um, I think it's a good deal. Glad to have back. Like Brian said, we needed that top of the rotation anchor. Him and McCullers. If we had those guys in the World Series, our bats were quiet. But if we had those guys in the World Series, I think it's a different story. And, and to have those guys healthy, hopefully next year moving in, will, will definitely be nice. And it just it adds that depth in the rotation. I know we'll talk about that in a bit, but the Astros have a lot of options at starter. So to now have two top guys at Verlander and McCullers locked in for probably at least the next two years, especially if Verlander's healthy, uh, definitely puts us in a good spot. And that was a good point, Kenny, that the uh, Yankees offered him the exact same contract and still signed here. Not only does it show that he loves Houston and he's loyal here and he wants to be here, but also that the Astros are willing to spend along with the Yankees, the Red Sox, those big teams up there. So you're going to, I mean, we're going to start seeing a lot of people that are going to get upset whenever Correa inevitably leaves, but it's still showing that we are able to spend that kind of money and that Jim Crane's able to do that and willing to do it. Yeah, like you said, like a lot of fans do think that Jim Crane can be cheap. You know, he put $25 million into a starting pitcher right there. And last season he stepped in and, you know, got Brantley before the Blue Jays could get him. Mm-hmm. I know for like 20 minutes there we all thought the Blue Jays were going to have Sprinter and Brantley. And then Jim Crane really stepped in and said, you know, just give him the money. Give him what he wants. And I feel like that's, you know, that's what he did there with somebody like Berlander who's like really close with. Yeah, I, mean, I yeah. think the, the claims of Jim Crane being cheap just blows my mind. I mean, the Astros have been exactly. pretty close to the top of the payroll. I mean, not the, the very top. I think probably, what, top five the last couple of years. They, they call him cheap because he doesn't maybe want to give the $300 million or whatever to Correa, which we'll talk about here in just a second. But he's given out big contracts. We saw what Altuve got. We saw what Bregman got. We know mm-hmm. that the deal is really he just doesn't want to give maybe that 10 years. And looking at all the 10-year contracts, I think I think maybe Kenny did something recently on that. But Looking at all the contracts, I mean, how many 10-year contracts really turn out to be great deals? You know, and the, the one that pops up is Albert Pujols, and obviously he was like 31 when he got his contract versus Carlos Correa, and it could work out, but I trust Crane as an owner. There's there's zero reason to doubt him, the doubt that he's not going to spend money to keep this team uh, competitive. Same with Click. I, I mean, I bringing Verlander back I think is a great sign. Regardless of what happens to Correa, to be able to get your starter, your number one starter like that, uh, get him back like that is huge. Did either of you think Verlander was going to come back? No, I didn't, I think, didn't think he was either. No, I, I thought, thought he was, I thought he was done. Detroit. Yep, I thought too. he was going back to Detroit to finish out his career there. Um, they've got a good minor league system, and that's where I think Cray is going to end up, which I know we're going to talk about a little later on. But, uh, yeah, I didn't think he was going to come back. So this is such a good surprise and a, and a good signing, I think. Yeah, I agree. No, I, I'm with you. I didn't think he was coming back. But you mentioned Correa, so we'll talk about him. There, there's the rumors out there. They, they offered him – I forgot what the most recent deal was. Was it uh, – what, what someone remind what was the most recent deal that, that the Astros offered that was reported, I guess, by uh, which we don't know which one's accurate, I guess, but yeah, I mean, there, there's been there's been several different rumors. There's been a rumor of a seven year deal for 210 million, um, and then there's been other ones for are no more than five years at I think what like 150 160 or, something like or something, yeah, it was something yeah. like that. You remember, Kenny? I think it was like 165, uh, it's like the max that we saw, maybe five years, yeah, um, but you know. Why take it? Yeah, and that, that's good money. But, yeah, I mean, he's obviously going to get more than five years out on the open market, and I don't blame him. But I do think Detroit is a, is a good landing spot for him. Like Brian mentioned, they got a lot of young talent. They 
showed a lot last year. Um, obviously, A.J. Hinch there. We saw Hinch and Correa eating lunch or whatever here uh, just last week, I think it was. And, and Hinch actually commented on that and said, no, he came here to, to eat breakfast with them, and he came to bring a present for his, his kid. So oh, yeah. I, I feel like, you know, with uh, the way you can ship things nowadays, it would have been a lot easier to not fly here and do that. So there's probably, probably some talk about that. I will say, though, if he was going to go to an American League team, like I, I kind of feel like I'm okay with him going to, to Detroit. You know, if he went to the Rangers or went to the Angels or something like the Mariners or something, you know, it would be brutal. But if he goes to Detroit, yeah, whatever. But at the end of the day, I'd love to keep Correa. Me and Brian have hit on this over and over and over. And if you're going to spin, he, he checks all the boxes to spin, right? Mm-hmm. But I understand not wanting to, to go maybe $350 million if he's looking for something north of what Lindor got, which, once again, those are kind of rumors out there on what he's actually asking. But what's y'all's take on Correa? I know Brian wants him back, but we, we both understand that it is a business and you got to make you got to make the best business decisions, you know, to keep the franchise chugging along for the next however, however many years. So I think that with whenever it comes to, to Correa, just like with Verlander, we just paid Verlander $25 million. It's clear, at least to me, that Jim Crane and James Click do not do not mind spending that kind of money on a yearly salary. It's the years. It's the amount of years. When we re-signed Bregman, we gave him a five-year deal. Uh, Altuve, the first time he re-signed him, it was like a, what, a three or four-year deal. Then they re-signed him again to another four or five-year deal. It's the years. That's what I think the issue is there. And if you look at the contracts that have been reported to be uh, offered to Correa by the Astros, it fits in with that. I mean, the four, five years, 160 million, five years, 150 million, whatever. Mm-hmm. He's cool with the with the uh, the salary. It's it's the amount of, of years. But it's like you and I have been saying, Jimmy and, and Kenny, I, I think you agree with this. I don't, I don't know if you have or not. But um, I mean, like Korea does fit all the boxes. But that 10 year deal, man, when they're 35, 36 years old, getting 30 to five to 40 million a year. Mm-hmm. And he's probably a part time DH and left fielder. That can be an issue. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, it's about the money going into those last few years. You don't want to waste. $32 million on your payroll. If you're looking to compete in 10 years from now, you know, you're probably not going to have the same offensive Correa. That's a all-star hitter having an 850 plus OPS. You're going to have the same guy who's probably going to be having 10 DRS each season defensive run saved might still be a gold glove finalist. You know, I think at that point it's kind of hard to, you know, surrender a bat in the lineup for 35 million a year, you know, 30 plus million, whatever he's going to get. And a lot of teams are willing to do that. A lot of teams are, you know, you know, we look at the Tigers too. They gave Miguel Cabrera a lot. You know, he's still on, still making close to 30 million a year mm-hmm. each season and he's hitting below 200, you know? So <clears throat> you look at that, but Crane has been open about it. You know, he said, I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep pushing at that threshold. You know, two years ago, even in 2020, he was right over it. You know, they got penalized and lost a draft pick for that as well. So this team isn't afraid to spend. It's just where the money goes. And, you know, some fans, you know, there's, you know, there's a line. There's a fans who are like, just pay him, give him what he wants. Other fans, right. like, they look at the future. You know, they're looking at when he's 35 years old, is he really going to be worth $30 million? Is his OPS right. actually going to be plus, you know, 900 at that point? It's probably not going to be. But, you, you know, it's just it's just how it builds up. And you look at the roster right now, how much do they pay Granky this year? How much do they pay Verlander? I know you didn't think those guys would be injured or falling off, you know, from what they were. But, you know, every team wastes money wherever it is. You know, at some point – I think four, five more years of Correa's prime is worth, you know, losing money in the end mm-hmm. when you're not really going to compete in five year, five or ten years, you know? Yeah, definitely. And and I think it's – you bring up a good point. It's just what's going to happen at the end of the contract. Is Correa worth $35 million over the next five years? I think that's an easy yes. But when it gets to the end, then then what do you do? And by that point, you know, you, you got Kyle Tucker coming up. You got Jordan coming up. Uh, any of the yep. young pitchers potentially do for, for large contracts? Any other – potential young player we bring up 
Uh, we'll, we'll talk about one here in a second, but you know, you got to be able to have that money to, to sign those guys too. So it's kind of, you've gotten so many years out of Correa. Are you willing to let him walk that way you can maybe keep guys like Tucker, but let's say he doesn't sign here. Let's say he does go to Detroit or go somewhere else. What's y'all's take on who we should, on who we should roll with. Obviously we are one of our top prospects. Jeremy Pena appears to be MLB ready. He probably would definitely be ready if it wasn't for his injury last year, but he came back from that looked great doing well over the Dominican right now, but there's also a lot of other shortstops out there that they could look at. And everyone seems to peg Trevor story as a guy that the Astros might target. Uh, what's y'all's take on that? One thing that um, I'd be interested to see is like once the final contracts are, are out, because I think we all agree that Cray is most likely gone. Um, let's say he signs for a certain amount and then we end up signing Trevor story. I'm curious to see the years and the money. That's difference. That that's the difference between those two, mm-hmm. which obviously we can't discuss that now, but um, they had Jeremy Pena on the World Series roster. Um, I know he didn't play and probably wasn't going to play unless multiple people got injured. Mm-hmm. But um, I tend to lean towards rolling with Jeremy Pena if they feel like he is major league ready, if they feel like he's major league ready, right. because we have the lineup that does not need to depend on his bat. It will give him time to develop. He's already good with the glove. He's got a good arm. Um, I lean towards doing that because I would, if we're not going to sign Correa, I would like to look at. Tucker Jordan possibly getting tied up long term now mm-hmm. while we can eat out some of those arbitration years, similar to what we did with um uh oh god, Bregman just a few years ago, yeah. and just eat up a couple of free agency years if they're not gonna go back to Korea. But you know, Click probably already knows whether or not that's even doable right now. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, I saw a couple of people mention Javier Baez. I want absolutely no part of Javier mm-hmm. Baez. He strikes out so much. It's just it's not even, yeah. But uh, if we're gonna go out in the free agent market, I would guess Trevor's story. I just you know, I mean, I'd rather just roll with Jeremy Pena. Yeah, I really like that you touched on the arbitration years. I think someone like Tucker and Jordan, once they start hitting arbitration, those numbers are going to get really high. So might as well just eat that money now in a smaller contract like Bregman did. Um, but you look at what happened <clears throat> when Springer left. They tried to replace his offensive side. You know, they weren't going to replace it in Miles Straw. And the center field market last year is a little bit better than this year. But there's a guy like Starling Marte. The Astros have been linked to him. And they can replace Carlos Correa's offense with that mm-hmm. Sterling Marte is also a plus defender he's quick he can lead off he'll hit second he's been a two-hole hitter his whole career but when you look at the shortstop class you know this is probably one of the best you know in like the last 10 years and even next year there's three guys Xander Bogarts Trey Turner uh, and Swanson Dansby Swanson on the market but this year is where you're going to find you know one of those one of the your franchise uh, shortstops and people have been you know the Astros are linked to Marcus Simeon as well uh, Mark Simeon's a little bit older. He's like probably the oldest shortstop on the market. He got a real prove it deal from the Blue Jays. He proved that he was a top three. Fi- he was a finalist for the MVP. Uh, someone like Simeon, he's not a great defender. They did move him to second base when he was in Toronto. Um, out of those three, I don't think Seager would land with the Astros, but I really like Chris Taylor. Um, I think Chris Taylor could start at shortstop until Pena's ready. Uh, Click mentioned in his press conference at the end of the season that they'll know once Pena is ready. Once he tells them, you know, I think they, they really like Pena. They'll go to him. Um, but how many contending teams start a rookie shortstop, you know, his first game of the season on opening day. I think that's a little bit of a hard thing to do. A team that was in the world series last year is going to give someone with no experience the first start of the season. I think it will take a little bit of time to adjust him in there, but someone like Chris Taylor could start a shortstop. Once Pena is ready, you know, him and Diaz can work at it at shortstop and you can move Chris Taylor to center field. Yeah, no, and I like that idea a lot. Like you mentioned, you you have him there at shortstop. He could play there, play all over the field, really. Um, the only thing I do wonder about that is is I think that 
Click is going to value the picks. And Chris Taylor did receive a qualifying offer, so it would basically wash the pick if Correa was to leave. So I wonder how he's going to take that into account. And, and for Trevor's story on that, I'd, I'd, I'd prefer to stay away. I mean, if people are all – I think the projections are like a five-year, $120 million. I just – to me, if you're going to pay Trevor Story 20-something million a year, 25 million a year, you might as well just roll with Jeremy Pena and, and use that money elsewhere. I, I would be a little worried about how he's going to perform outside of Colorado. I know most hitters hit better at home, but he's got like a – I just pulled up his career number. He's got a 972 OPS at home, a 752 on the road, and that's a pretty big difference, you know. So I would be concerned about that. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think Chris Taylor is an option if they don't really care about the draft pick compensation. But Starling Marte, man, that's a – if, if he's a guy, I think they mentioned there was a rumor out there. It was like a four-year, $65 million deal. Someone said that. I don't know if it's true or not. But if you can get him at four years, I mean, that's probably a pretty good deal. And uh, like like Brian mentioned, you would have the depth in the lineup. Basically, you, you would get Marte's production to kind of recover what Correa had. And then now you're starting with Jeremy Pena, who's hating, or hitting eighth or ninth. And there's not that much pressure on him to perform offensively right away. So I do think there's options out there. Chris Taylor's a a good option. But, yeah, I I like the idea of Starling Marte in center. And because you're you're giving him maybe three or four years versus five or six. I don't know what it would take to get Taylor. He's maybe looking at maybe a four- or five-year deal. But both of those would be pretty good options. Yeah, and I think Marte and Taylor are roughly the same age or not not too far apart. But there was that one small – I can't remember if it was a tweet or or if it was something on one of the websites, but they mentioned how – um, Starling Marte may not be going to the highest bidder because he's only yeah. in the playoffs once, and that was way mm-hmm. like 10 years ago with Pittsburgh. He wants to win, so that could really benefit the Astros if yep. we really are all over him the way everyone seems to think we are. You throw him out in center field, um, yeah, just like y'all were saying, I think the rest can kind of work itself out. Yeah, I don't really know the friends of you know Starling Marte either, but it, if he's looking to contend, I bet he'd call up some of these guys and ask him, like, do you want me to play there? You know, I want to play here will they offer me the money I want? You know, that's also like, I like yeah. the thing about him going to a contender, the Astros two wins away from winning the world series. And he sees that this team can contend. They, they like to spend money on short-term deals. He's like, uh, he's above 30 years old now. He's probably not going to get more than four or five years. And that's exactly, this might be the best place for him if he's looking for all that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if it's the, the, the prospect guy. I mean, obviously I, I love draft picks, but without having the first or second round pick the last two years, the, the system has been a little bit depleted from, maybe that that high potential early on draft picks, right? Well, you're going to have your first and second round next year. If uh, Correa leaves and you sign a guy like Marte, who was traded in the uh, you know middle of the season, so he didn't receive a qualifying offer, you would get that second round pick essentially for Carlos Correa. So, I mean, I think I texted this to Brian. It's kind of, you know, would you want to go for a guy like Chris Taylor or would you say, no, nah, I'd rather have Starling Marte and a second round pick, you know? And if, if, like you said, if Pena's ready and they think he's ready, we saw what he did with the bat in, in limited time in AAA. We know he's good with the glove. You may just say, screw it, let's roll with them and, and hope for the best. I mean, you have backup options. I mean, you don't want to use Diaz permanently because, you know, kind of lose your versatility there, but he can, he can play shortstop as well. So if it was me, I think I would lead the, lead the Starling Marte route. Uh, I love the idea of having him in center field, Kyle Tucker and right. But yeah, I think the, the, there's plenty of options out there for the Astros. And it, I think money's going to be spent one way or another. If they don't go for a shortstop, I think they'll use it in center field. But it kind of leads me to the next thing. So we got Verlander, we got McCullers. Then after that, it's Framber, Luis Garcia, Jose Urquidy, Christian Javier, Jacob Rizzi. But, you know, are they going to, you think they might look to add another starter? Because, you know, there's other guys out there. Marcus Stroman, he's been a guy that's really engaged with fans. He's, he's had nothing but compliments for the Astros, really. He, he really liked Brent Strom. And it seems like a guy who's kind of like almost, 
almost clearing that 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 route, I guess, to come to Houston with some of the stuff he said recently. I don't know what it would take to get him, but we see how important starting pitching is. I don't know if they'd be willing to spend that money, but if you're not spending $35 million on Correa and you bring in Marte at maybe $20 million a year, would you want to use some of that extra money to try to sign somebody like Stroman or, or even Carlos Rodon? I don't know if he'd take a, a, a short deal due to his injury history, but that's a couple options I thought maybe they could look at. Well, Stroman alone, just, just with his name, the marketing that the Astros could have with his name alone would be just amazing for their department. But um, I don't know that they're going to dip into the um, big money free agent pitchers just because, you know, we do got the top of the rotation down. We do have some depth, but as we saw this year, by the end of the year, we were running out of gas. McCullers yep. had that freak injury by going back out there. We already had Verlander that was injured. Luis Garcia, by all intents and purposes, basically hit his innings limit with being a rookie and everything and wasn't used to pitching that much. Odorizzi, he, you know, he did well whenever we needed him down the stretch, but I'm not so sure he wants to be here anymore just based yeah. on multiple comments he made throughout the season. Uh, I mean, he's still under contract, so he may not have a choice, but, but his contract is very movable. Um, I don't know. I don't think that we're going to uh, go into that route. Um, it, it would surprise me, but I wouldn't be against it. Marcus Stroman here would be amazing. That would be, you know, three top of the rotation guys, just like we had during the, what, 17, 18, 19 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it definitely comes down to, like, you – you have a you have a lot of um, pitching right now. You have a lot of pitching depth. There's no there's nothing wrong with that. You know I think there's definitely going to be a name that they possibly shop. They have some guys under control, and those guys have value. Someone like Framber Valdez, you know, he's a great lefty, great spin rate, you know, multiple breaking pitches, and he's still under two or three more years of arbitration. But he's also you're only a lefty in the rotation. Uh, you added Jonathan Bermudez to your 40 man roster, and he might have replaced Kenton Emanuel, somebody who was outrighted and then claimed on waivers. And, you know, he's three years younger and he could be eyed as, you know, depth going into the end of the season. But I think one of the main issues was that they didn't have any minor league depth come September. So people like Forrest Whitley, Tyler Ivey, all fell to injury, Kent Emanuel, another mm-hmm. name, uh, like I mentioned before. But there's minor league options this year. You know, Peter Solomon, I thought that was a, I thought Peter Solomon was going to be traded last year. And he's definitely a guy that's you know worth some value and definitely somebody who could make an impact as well. Uh, but I really don't think they're going to go out there and spend. I think there's other options on the field, you know, like shortstop and center field. Yeah, and then obviously one other position they're going to have to spend because some of the guys they traded for at the middle of the season are free agents is the bullpen. I think the Astros have – if they were to bring back just a couple guys, I think they have the making of a really strong bullpen. Uh, we'll see what they do with – I think we talked about it with Kendall Graveman or Yimmy Garcia, two guys that I, if the price is right, I'd like to see them to bring back to add with uh, Ryan Presley and, and uh, Phil Maton. And we talked about Brooks Raley. So it, it sounds like he is, he elected free agency. You know, he's a guy that the ERA didn't look great, but the the peripherals look phenomenal. And he was really good from, at, uh, I don't, I'd have to go pull it up. I don't know if it was maybe like June or July on to the rest of the season, him and, and Ryan Stanek as well. So what do y'all think about that? I mean, I, to me, Graveman would be the priority. I think he has the stuff that you look for, the strikeout stuff. And, and the Astros are kind of just really starting to, to use him right. And he was uh, he, he pitched really well in the playoffs as well. Yeah, I agree by, by making Kendall Grayman the priority. I like the idea of having multiple closers, basically, at the back end of your bullpen. Whenever um, uh, Presley and his wife had their baby, Grayman was closing for us. So like if, if something like that were to come up, you have that guy that you know you can on there. Um, I don't know if the Astros are going to be willing to meet that price, especially with uh, Presley one or two years away from free agency. But, uh, no, that would be great if we could get Kendall Graveman back. If not him, then maybe Yimi Garcia, just on like a – he he won't be nearly as expensive as Kendall Graveman, at least not in my opinion. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like we, we would have – I mean, after the deadline this year, we 
what happens. But uh, yeah, I would totally, I would love to see uh, us, you know, make an effort to bring back Kendall Graveman. And I love the idea of having multiple closers. I think, you know, when you have one closer or multiple ones, that's a lot of high leverage arms automatically. And you can have just different roles who's setting up, who's not, you know, someone like Ryan Stanick, diamond in the rough right there, a guy who mm -hmm. was, you know, an opener in Tampa Bay and became a possible closing option when needed. Someone like Emi Garcia might not have a lot of value this offseason, might be a cheap option. And he did fine going into the World Series, you know, into the ALCS, a little rough in the ALDS. But if he pitches against righties, that's your right-handed guy late into games. But for someone like Brooks Raley, I think they still need that left-hander with the experience. Uh, Blake Taylor, a little bit of a rough season with an injury. But uh, I actually am in contact with Brooks Raley's agent every now and then. He likes to send, send me uh, Brooks Raley's peripherals. And uh, I asked him, is uh, Brooks Raley, like, is Houston an option? He said, you know, there's always a chance he'll come back. So definitely a guy, I think, on a cheap deal, a cheap one-year deal, mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, passing the torch to Blake Taylor or someone else in that, you know, the left-handed spot. Yeah, and we'll get to it here in the next segment when we get to the minors. But I definitely think there's, there's some options that the Astros have now that have been added to the 40-man roster that they'll be able to rely on when you know when there is injuries and, and guys that they can call up unfortunately this year a lot of the guys that we thought we were probably going to be able to rely on just weren't there you know the brian abreu andre scrub you know lee paredes guys that were contributors in 2020 and, and they just struggled this year but the bullpen I, I if you have a strong bullpen we saw what the bullpen was able to do for us in in, in the playoffs and if it wasn't for the acquisitions of Mayton, Graveman, and, and Garcia, even like you said, after the ALDS, he pitched a lot better. I don't know where the Astros would have been because Mayton and Graveman were phenomenal. Uh, Estanic as well. So those acquisitions were huge. Having that deep bullpen is important, and, and hopefully they'll put a priority there. And I think they will. Uh, it seems like something Click likes to build, and we saw what happened in, or what he did in, in Tampa as well. So I definitely hope that they, they look to sign some guys there. Oh, yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. I mean, the bullpen, you saw what happened the first half of the season whenever we were, you know, we just had multiple issues there other than Ryan Presley. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll, we'll just see what happens. And, and along with that starting pitching depth, we still had Christian Javier that was floating back and forth from the bullpen to the rotation. So that's right. another guy that we don't know where he's going to be or if he'll even be in Houston. Right. I'd, I'd like to see them actually, you know, shop some maybe high-end relievers, you know, last few years. You know, Clicks has done a good job of finding those guys like Brian Stanek, but he's mm -hmm. also leaned on minor league you know, pitching for the last uh, two seasons. So it'd be nice to, you know, bring Graveman back. All right, that's going to do it for segment one. In the next segment, we're going to look back at the 40-man roster additions, talk about some prospects and who can expect to contribute in 2022. We'll get to that in just a moment. And continuing on here at the Astros Future Podcast, presented by Apollo Media. If you enjoy the show, do us a favor and drop us a review or leave us some stars. So we'll get to the minor leagues on this point. There has been some minor league news over the last week, some prospect-related news. The Astros cleared some space on the 40-man roster. They added some prospects, most notably Jeremy Pena, also Sean Dubin, Jonathan Bermudez, and Joe Perez. They added them to the 40-man roster. But in doing so, they did have to, to make some moves. One move that we saw kind of get some, um, some I guess, some backlash on, on Twitter was uh, Ken Emanuel. They, they put him on waivers. He was selected by the Phillies. We got to see a little bit what he could do last year. I think he's going to be 30 years old next year. Uh, has about 17, 18 innings under his belt. Uh, I understand the move because they did have to create some space to, to add these top prospects that would have for sure been selected. But what's your take on that, Kenny? I, it was definitely a head scratcher when you first think about it. You know, a guy that a lot of fans loved. You look more at that 40-man roster. He might be better than some of the pitchers, you know, below him. But they're a lot younger. Ken Emanuel is going to be 30 years old next season. The more you think about it, the more it makes sense to move on. Um, he did speak out on Twitter. You know, he's a guy that's hungry. He wants to pitch in the major leagues again. And he wants to make make it known that they sh the Astros shouldn't have put him on waivers. 
Uh, he's going to have a good chance with the Phillies organization. He can be a starter. He can be in the bullpen. He's left-handed. Uh, when you look at the roster now, Jonathan Bermudez was added to it. Guy that's four years younger than him and not coming off elbow surgery for the second time. Um, Kent Emanuel's a great guy. Definitely, you know, taking some hits with the suspension and injuries. And at, you know, 30 years old next season, it's tough to see him really compete for a spot in on the roster when he doesn't have that much experience. You know, after his debut, eight and two-thirds innings, nine nine more appearances, and none of them were really high leverage. There wasn't that much trust at the beginning. Uh, but it sucks, you know, how it ended. Yeah, I agree with you. Like you just said, I mean, he, he had another injury, uh, 30 years old. It, it's just time to move on at this point, especially since we needed to clear a space and it made the most sense to to use that on, well, to, to use his space. So, I mean, it's, it's like you said, I mean, he's going to get a chance at Philadelphia. They are starved for pitching. So uh, that would help out for him and his career. Um, I mean, I guess that's what you want to see from somebody who's uh, who just gets released. They want to be upset, hungry. So we'll see what he can do, but it made sense from the Astros' perspective. Yeah, and I think, like Kenny mentioned, adding, adding Jonathan Bermuda as another lefty, you know, a guy who's, you know, no offense to Ken Emanuel, but he, he, Jonathan Bermudez has had more success in the minors than, than Ken Emanuel has. And Ken Emanuel pitched at a, a good college, and we saw what he did in college as well. But Bermudez had a phenomenal season. He was the Astros minor league pitcher of the year, struck out 146 and 111 innings, 3.24 ERA, also a lefty. That's a guy that I think if, if the Astros would have left him mm-hmm. off the 40 he was going to get claimed for sure. Because you can easily Absolutely. hide him on a roster as a rookie, either as a starter or just a left-handed reliever. So they had to make this move. You bring up a good point. He's four years younger than Ken Emanuel and um, obviously has the, has the strikeout numbers that you kind of want to see and maybe from a lefty as well. So I'm really excited to see what he can do. I hope we get to see him at some point this year. I think we will. Uh, he pitched really well in AAA. Strikeout numbers are still there. So I think regardless of what they do, we talked about maybe bringing back a, a Brooks Raley. I think Bermudez will be up with the big league club at some point this year. Yeah, I totally agree with the hiding part of it sorry I'll just a quick part of the hiding him on like a major league roster you look at teams that are rebuilding like the Orioles he could definitely mm-hmm. be a f- the fifth starter come out of the bullpen for the Orioles right. teams that are not looking to contend and a guy like Bermudez I didn't really think of him as the first option of protecting in pitchers I thought Sean Dubin was definitely yeah. the first option he was protected as well but for you know a left-handed pitcher of you know his caliber and he got to triple a he definitely can pitch in the major leagues next year a lot more experience this year will just you know benefit him down the road yeah, completely agree. And like you just said, Kenny, I mean, whenever you are rebuilding, you have multiple spots open all over the place. So why not take a flyer on somebody else? I mean, the Rangers probably could have also used him as well. So um, and he would have absolutely been taken, like you said, Jimmy. So, yeah, it, it was a good you know, I know that's one thing that that's one player that you and I hit on multiple times during the year. I know you're really excited about him. So he'll most likely I mean, I mean hopefully he doesn't get injured, but um, injury notwithstanding, he should be on the big league club at some point. Yeah, and, and Kenny mentioned one of the other pitchers that was added that I, I definitely think would have been selected, Sean Dubin. We saw what he did in AAA this year. The guy's got nasty stuff. He looks like he's probably destined for relief, which is okay. Throws 98, wipeout slider, and and he really – he started out the season a little a little shaky, but he finished the season on fire. And, I mean, showed exactly what you wanted to see as, out, of a, out of a reliever. I actually pulled up the stats over the uh, his last he, – he, Last 21.2 thirds innings, he struck out 33 and batters hit just 164 off of him. And that's a guy coming in, like I said, with that 98 mile an hour fastball, that slider. I went, when I went to Sugarland, I talked to him. He said he thinks that if he, you know, had one inning and he had to go out there and ramp it up, he could probably hit 100. So that kind of stuff coming out of the bullpen, once again, he would have been claimed for sure. And, and I think the Astros did the right thing and, and, and protecting Dubin that way. And, 
he's another guy I think on top of Bermuda is that we're going to see at some point next year. We still got the guys like the Andre Scrub and the Brian Abreu who looks like he's made some changes. He's, he's doing pretty well in the winter leagues. Um, and even the Anoli Paredes, they're still in the 40-man roster too. But with Dubin being on there, I could definitely see him and, and Bermuda as getting a chance at some point in uh, 2022. Yeah, there are definitely other minor league starters, you know, in the way. We have Tyler Ivey. But when you look at it, he could definitely pick up a spot start in the middle of the season. Injuries happen. There are other starters there. But you definitely want to test him out. You want to give Dubin, you know, an opportunity to show what he has. And I think come September, he could be, you know, an addition for that 20, 28-man roster. And he can eat three innings. Mm -hmm. um, we saw him pitch in relief in uh, AAA as well. He would um, go piggyback with some other starters. So I think, you know, Dubin, in my eyes, was definitely a lock for the 40-man roster. And I think at some point this season, he will be uh, used as a long reliever when needed. Yeah, and, and I, I actually misspoke when I said the 21.2 thirds inning. That was him as a reliever this year. So as a reliever, he held people or held batters to a 164 average, struck out 33 in 21 innings. So, man, I'm super excited to see what he can do. He looked great in relief, uh, electric arm. You know, the, the, we talked about it, me and Brian did at the trade deadline, that the Astros, did, at, besides Ryan Presley and I, I guess Ryan Stanley, they didn't really have much swing and miss in the bullpen, and that was an issue. You know, when you get into the playoffs, you want those guys that can come in with the bases loaded – and, and not have to rely on contact to get guys out and strike guys out. And Dubin has that kind of stuff. So I do think at some point he'll be up and maybe the Astros use him in that opener role. Like we kind of saw Tampa do a lot um, or just, or just middle relief, but a guy that I think Astros fans definitely need to be excited about. I'm not totally sure about Dubin being selected though, in my opinion. Um, you know, I, did he battle any injuries this year? Can yeah, we... he did. He did. Okay. So it, it was kind of hard to take on a guy who might not, be as healthy and might not be ready for the starting, you know, every, you know, every five day starting role, but it's definitely, it's smart enough to just protect him now. Don't yeah. leave him out there. So one other guy that, well, actually there's two, but we'll start with the first one. It was the obvious pick to be added to the, the 40 man roster, Jeremy Pena. We don't really need a hit on that a lot. We hit on him last segment, phenomenal shortstop defensively. We saw what he could do offensively for sure would have been selected. So that was the, that was the no doubter. The other one that I think, I don't want to say caught anyone off guard, but he, he had a breakout season. Me and Brian, I remember talking about in May, right when the season started, the way this guy got off to a start, Joe Perez, a former second-round pick, had all the tools in the world to, to be a stud, and he finally showed that this year. I mean, the dude destroyed the ball in low A and high A. I mean, incredible numbers, got to double A, struggled a little bit, but then found his, found his, uh, found his groove and, and started hitting really well. And it's despite him being drafted way back in 2017, I think it was, he's only 21. He, play, he played this season at 21 years old. So for the Astros to add a third baseman who's 21 years old to the 40-man roster, I think that speaks a lot to what they think about Joe Perez because that's a guy that would be hard to hide on, on a roster, I think, a little bit because he doesn't have that versatility. He's probably going to play third, first, or uh, maybe DH. But for the Astros to add him, I think that I think that shows what they think about him as a prospect. I and mean, it gets me excited for what we're going to see from him next year. Yeah, you look at the 40-man roster right now, what you know minor league options do you have when somebody like – Alex Bregman might fall to injury. It's just Taylor Jones. But mm -hmm. then they add Joe Perez, a guy who can play third base, maybe some second base, first base when needed. There isn't that really that Swiss Army knife, but Jeremy Pena can do that as well. Um, but last season, you know, they had Robo Garcia, Jacob Wilson, two guys that were struggling, you mm -hmm. know, coming out, coming from the minor leagues, going back down. Eventually, they're not with the organization anymore. You look at who's in the who's in AAA right now. Miguel Angel Sierra is gone. CJ Hinojosa is gone. There's definitely a spot for Joe Press to start at third base come uh, April in AAA in the minor leagues. And looking forward, someone like Alex Zagati, who came up last year during the COVID time, didn't really have a good season last year. They're going to lean on Joe Press. He's 22 years old. Uh, he's a top 10 prospect now for the Astros. Really came on the scene and definitely a guy they could lean on for minor league depth.
Yeah, that's a guy that we're going to uh, be talking about a lot this year, just like we were this past year, especially if he can put it together for another healthy season. That's uh, he, he's someone that, you know, I know Jimmy knows this about uh, about him with me, but like really, really excited to look at those box scores every single time he played, because those types of players like you were just saying, Kenny, he can play all over the place, even though his primary position is third base. Um, Bregman's been injured a lot. We don't really have a shortstop right now. You never know. So definitely a valuable player. Yeah, and one thing that it's hard to, to get a good gauge on his defense when, you know, unless you're sitting there watching every game. And actually, someone asked me about that on Twitter about him or Leon. You know, hey, what about the defense, defensive highlights? I'm like, man, that's hard to do. It's hard to find defensive highlights unless you literally watch every single game. But I put together something that, that I put on Twitter uh, for Joe Perez. And the one thing that stands out in that video is, I mean, the dude was crushing balls all over the field, left field, center field, right field. He's got power to all fields. And if you watch that video, if y'all get bored after this, Take a look at the video. Watch the very last – I think it was the very last home run he hit or maybe maybe the second to last. But in that video, the ball was like well inside. I mean, it looked like one of those Carlos Correa home runs where the ball's well inside and he just gets his hands in there and pulls it and hits a home run to left field. But then he's crushing like a couple of home runs he hit to right are like way out. I mean, I'm not talking fence scrapers. They're way out. The guy's got legit power, and he's probably still growing into more. Like you said, just 22 years old, and he's going to be 22 next year. So, man, that's a guy I'm super excited about. And, and we'll, we'll get to see what he can do this year. Uh, or 2022, because he's going to be probably in AAA at some point. And, and like you mentioned, Kenny, with him being on the 40-man roster, he's going to be a guy who, if there's injuries, you know, he's going to he's going to be one that's potentially gets uh, added to the major league roster, and we get to see what he can do as a, a 22-year-old. But this would be interesting to see if they explore free agency, maybe explore a trade for a guy who's more sitting behind a Diaz. Diaz. Robo Garcia wasn't a great option last year. Mm-hmm. He was a switch hitter. He could play across the infield, maybe some left field but the bat was never there. The consistent defense was never there. There's other guys out there. Um, if they don't sign a shortstop, I do believe they should go after another utility guy. I've been a kind of a big guy in Kevin Newman. He's uh, the shortstop for the Pirates. He was a gold mm-hmm. glove finalist. He's a singles hitter. He had an 800 OPS two years ago in his first, you know, 140 game season, but there's not, he doesn't have that much value. He's still under team control, but there's definitely guys like Joe Perez, who could be that second utility guy if needed when injuries happen. Yeah, no, he, he, I think he's – you you hit that one right. I do think they need to look to, to more depth. If they don't sign a, a shortstop, uh, you know, one of those top shortstops like we talked about, looking at signing another utility guy to have that that depth because Garcia, it, it just wasn't it. We saw what happened. Taylor right. Jones provided some good depth, and uh, we saw the bat really come around too for him, so excited for him. But there was more, move, more movement on the 40-man roster. The Astros traded – Garrett Stubbs to the Phillies, and they got back an outfielder, uh, Logan Cerny, I believe is how it's pronounced. But that leaves the Astros with only two catchers on the 40-man roster right now, and it doesn't seem that's that's normally not how they go through the season. There's always that third guy there. We saw how much Stubbs went up and down. So do you all think they're going to add uh, Papirski? Is Corey Lee coming pretty soon? I mean, we saw him finish the season in AAA. Would they go ahead and add him to the 40-man roster maybe – maybe once they actually get into season, once they have that need for the third catcher. Uh, but that's going to be interesting to see what they do there. And Papirski, maybe maybe he's a guy selected in the Rule 5 draft. You know, we, I think me and you talked about it. Uh, the, the pitchers just raved about him when they went down there. Lance McCuller, some of the other guys, when they went and did, had their rehab starts, about his ability to call a game. Not great with the bat, but he's I think he's a switch hitter. He gets on base a lot, draws walks, doesn't, doesn't hit for a high average, but a guy that could probably be a solid backup catcher if you need him, especially when you need that defense. Yeah, you can't really add anyone to the 40-man right now with the protection deadline going yeah. by. And the Rule 5 draft is in early December. He is a switch hitter. Um, I do enjoy Papirski. I think all around, if the major league players are raving about him, Alex Bregman is big, you know, best friends with the guy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they're buddies. They went to LSU. 
But when you look at it, if Papierski gets taken, I think Corey Lee is obviously going to go on the 40-man roster. I think they'll lean on Corey Lee maybe late into the season, give him yeah. a call-up in September. But I also think if Papierski isn't taken, he's definitely going to make the 40-man roster. It's full right now. It's at 39, but that last guy is Verlander. The signing isn't official as of today when we're talking. But Papierski, if he doesn't get selected, I think he's an automatic. You probably deal away another pitcher maybe right. um, or DFA a pitcher, but I think that's the best option. Yeah, and you got guys like uh, like Solis, who's, who's coming off of two Tommy John surgeries, and um, we talked about a scrub apparatus. There's guys that they could potentially make room if they needed to add a guy like Papirski because, you know, Mal- Maldonado or Castro ended up with an injury, or who knows if the, the COVID sickness 10-day thing will still be around next year. But, yeah, Papirski's a guy I think – if. I'm hoping he's not. I, I I never want any of our guys selected, but I'm hoping he's not because he's the seems like the most kind of major league ready. And I don't want to rush Corey Lee up to you know be a bench catcher for two weeks and then go back down to Triple A. You know, you'd rather see someone like Papierski go up and do that and leave leave Corey Lee you know cooking in Triple A. Yeah, Papierski yeah, was on. Oh, go ahead. Ben. No, go go ahead, Kenny. Okay, I'll just say a quick thing. Papierski was on the uh, taxi squad a few times this year. You know, and they were looking at Jason Castro knee injuries. Martin Maldonado hurt his shoulder when he made that diving catch mm-hmm. late into the season. Two guys that are off the books next year. Uh, they're probably going to lean on Corey Lee eventually. But if you show Papierski, you know, give him some major league mm-hmm. time. But other teams might be looking at him. This guy's been around. He's been with major league pitchers. I feel like he might be a selection in the Rule of Five drafts when it yeah. really comes down to it. Yeah, and what you were just saying about giving him some sort of major league experience, especially if down the future, if down the line, if he's going to be part of a tandem in Houston anyway, makes all the sense in the world to put him on the forty man. Yeah, and I think I think his opportunity will come. We we see how many like you just talked about Castro having the knee injuries and, and uh, Maldonado with the shoulder. Someone at some point in time, one of the catchers are going to need a break. They're going to end up with a small injury, going to need ten days off, and and uh, we'll be giving somebody a shot. But with moving stubs out, the Astros did get a legitimate prospect back in in uh, in Logan Cerny, tenth round pick last or in twenty twenty one, but had some phenomenal numbers at Troy. Hit three thirty two, fifteen homers, twelve stolen bases, uh, in fifty one games. I didn't know much about him. I've tried to read more about him. It sounds like an explosive athlete, great power, can steal bases, really good in center field. So a high upside outfielder they're adding to the system, um, which is something that they we could probably use. I mean, we got guys down there that are kind of high upside guys, Zach Daniels, Jordan Brewer down in, in low A and high A. But adding another guy like this, we saw what they just did when they sent uh, CNL Perez to the Reds and they got Luke Berryhill back. You know, you can, you can trade. And me and Brian talked about this, you know, rather than just – DFA guys cutting guys, you know, try to get something for him. You know, you get you get a you get a throw in Yiner Diaz potentially, right? You get a throw in on a trade, and the guy ends up being really good. We've seen that a lot. Luke Berryhill, minor league player of the year this year, they got him for CNL Perez. We'll see what Logan Cerny does, but nice to get get some actual value back for Garrett Stubbs. I'm glad you brought up the CNL Perez thing. It really does feel like last season when they re-signed Michael Brantley, 40 man was full. Got rid of Perez, and then they got their minor league player of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Logan Cerny, I really think that the Astros had their eye on him going into the draft. Uh, he was selected three picks in front of the Astros' tenth round pick. And the Astros took a different uh, outfielding, you know, collegiate player. Um, when you look at who, where he played, he played in the FCL with the, the FCL Phillies, and he was raking. They moved him up to uh, Low A for a few games, and that Low A team didn't play the Astros as well. The FCL Astros didn't play the FCL Phillies. So the Astros probably had their eye on him. They saw him there. They knew they needed catching depth, so they offered stubs. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, it's just like we were talking about uh, earlier uh, in the week, Jimmy, you know, just just getting something for your third-string right. catcher that didn't yeah. really play that much. And the fact that it's a guy that 
has some decent upsides here, upside here. It may not just be like a career minor leaguer or somebody that's just going to be in the minors forever. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be a multi-time all-star at the major league level, but still he's got that high upside there. That just seems like just a win in and of itself. I mean, that's no offense to Garrett Stubbs. He's a good player and everything, but third string catcher for this type of player who was just selected this year, that's a great deal. Yeah, you never want to lose guys for nothing. We talked about that. We talked about the depth that the Astros had, and they were able to capitalize that uh, on that at the trade deadline in the outfield where they traded De La Cruz for Garcia. They were able to bring up Jake Myers. You never want to lose guys for nothing. And, and to be able to send out Garrett Stubbs, who mm-hmm. really enjoyed following him as a prospect, seemed like a solid third catcher on the roster, uh, was always there when he needed him. But to send him out and, like I said, get a legit prospect back, Definitely makes you feel good about the return. And, I mean, I think Stubbs did have value to other teams as well. We, we saw what he could do with the Astros. So, you know, he's not probably going to be a starter, but I think a good backup. He, he has some versatility. You know, he's not stuck just at catcher. He's a guy who can pitch run, too. He's a good runner. So, to, But to get something back like Lil Cerny, I'm uh, really excited to see what he's going to do next year. Give Stubbs a chance in Philadelphia, too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it him works and, out him, on both him sides. and Ken Emanuel. Yep. <laughs> yep, exactly. They don't really All have right. a lot of catchers in Philly either. So, easy second catcher can play some second base outfield. Yep. Exactly. There it is. Yep. Left-handed bat. All right, guys, that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. As always, thank you so much for listening. and We look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Astros Future Podcast, covering your Astros in the minor league system.